What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 20, Improbable Cause. Uh, kids, stuff's starting to kick off. What's uh, what's uh, what's going on, buddy? I was breaking the fourth wall, Keith, and, and pointing to the... Oh, I thought, I thought the, you were pointing to your tattoo. I'm like, I don't know how that's related to this. But. It's not. Not at all. All right. Well, I'm... Nonetheless, how's it going, Mike? It's going good. I recognize now that with even though we just spent 20 minutes doing all of the pre-show stuff, I didn't actually turn on any of the buttons and stuff, so it should be a adventurous graphical cry Ron day, Keith. Okay. Chiron? Well, Chiron. 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 Right? Yes. Chiron. Yes. Well, well, cool. I mean, you know, we, uh, we had plans to fix that, but uh, we don't need to. We don't need to. Speaking of plans, uh, uh, this morning... Just a little aside, uh, we got a like crazy hyperstorm out of nowhere uh, in uh, New Jersey and just got absolutely torrentially dumped on. Realized that uh, one of my gutters is plugged in the front and starts pouring uh, basically at my bedroom window. So that's going to be a thing. So if I'm if so, two reasons. One, if, if I seem a little stressed out, uh, that's why. And it might explain why am I wearing a Christmas shirt? Mm. Uh, because my uh, all of my clothes were in the laundry downstairs, and I, this was the only thing I had in my drawer that would cover the top of me. That so. does explain our two new Patreon tiers this week, Keith. At the $30 level, you can unplug Keith's gutters, and at the $50 level... Oh, go. I will pay you $30 to unplug yeah, my yeah, gutters. Yeah, but at the $50 level, Keith, uh, you can plug them. Wow, Okay. Uh, I believe the uh, the sex robot version of me has already been given a thumbs down. So, oh. <laughs> alas, oh, alas, okay. folks. Anyway, but you want to know? Seri- uh, it's a serious week, Keith. It's serious. We got to get. Serious. It's a serious week. It, no, I'm. Ex- this is a this is a big week. It's a big old week yeah. here on the Deep Space Nine. Uh, but before we talk about it, we have to talk about last week's big old week on Deep Space Nine through the Looking Glass and give your viewer ratings Mm -hmm. all right so just if you're paying uh, paying attention at home i gave it a 72 you gave it a 70 Mm -hmm. that one was this oh yeah 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 yeah. through the looking glass Uh the uh, the second uh, mirror episode uh the your opinions were very varied very interesting here so joshua cronin gives it an 83 jason mo gives it a 77 youtube viewer down with a 60 sans deity boom with a 30 uh, and, and even though the super tip didn't didn't work out, you know, we're going to give you a grace. It, it only seems fair. Uh, just to quickly says, I don't like mirror episodes at all. I feel like they add little to any character's arc or story in general. Maybe I just don't like the change, but I don't like seeing characters acting like not hit the characters that I like. So my score is admittedly a personal bias against these episodes and maybe harsh, but I'm sticking to it. Uh, yeah, fair enough. You know who did? Come in with a super tip. Our friend Delusions at noon, who uh, first off agrees with me, shut it down with the uh, with with the uh, the companion. Although that was not the uh, there consensus. were other opinions. Yeah. Yes, there were. There was not the full consensus. Anyway, Delusions with the super tip, which means you, I read it online. Says I give this a seventy-one. A little of the mirror universe goes a long way, and I'd have been perfectly happy if they had just stopped after crossover. 
I think the value of the mirror universe is solely in the way it works as a distorted funhouse mirror of the values and stakes of normal Trek universe. And those values and stakes don't really evolve beyond what we see in Deep Space Nine's first revisit, so we're left mostly with some cartoony vamping that doesn't go anywhere. The writers and actors seem to relish these episodes as an opportunity to camp it up and engage in some lurid fantasy, which would be fine, except they also seem to want us to care at least a little bit about the struggle for liberation playing in the background mm. to all the hammy, sexy time dress-up. That's exactly right. Things are played at such a broadly ridiculous level, I can't get too worked about the consent issues and the Dax Cisco hookup, and I can't even enjoy it as as its intended level as some sort of a goofy slash fiction romp. But by the same token, I also can't get too worked up by Mir Rom getting killed because they've already established this is pulp sci-fi universe where nothing much matters. It's filled with enough swashbuckling incident and shots of Nana Visitor in skin-tight onesie that it's impossible for me to entirely dislike <laughs> the episode. But for the reasons stated, it's equally hard for me to give much of a damn about it. And the efforts to writing some genuine pathos out of Ben meeting Mir Jennifer falls almost entirely flat because, as the episode itself somewhat hesitantly and clumsily concedes, he's not meeting his dead wife. It's more like he's meeting his dead wife's long-lost twin sister, which makes their scenes more awkward than touching. Mike, do we do we have one? Do we do you have one in the chamber? I am no, that's dude. not right. Yeah. What what am I supposed to what am I getting in the chamber? We said twins! Oh, Keith! That reminds me, sorry, side anecdote. Uh, CEO Jen, though she is watching Deep Space Nine, as we'll know, because Keith's going to give her a ranking shortly, I, I wondered if she had fallen off our show, Keith. She used, I, to be, she, she used to be such a fan, but as you know, when she brings me my coffee, she writes a little note on my coffee cup. <laughs> so cute! Uh -huh. uh, she didn't put yes. I am dude today, but she did write this. I hopefully can get it in focus. Oh my god. And twins! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, all right. So there you go, uh, <coughs> dude. But the the, uh, the the end twins runner, uh, very popular, mostly, <laughs> not always super popular. So uh, also giving ratings this week are JD at 72, Harry Pothead at 85, Worf's Boat Ships at 87, which gives an average of 66.87. But as you said, we have heard from Chancellor Jen. 100. Who says, who says Chancellor Jen loved it? Hey, stop it. CEO Jen, Chancellor Jen. Come on. Yeah, stop it, Jen. I stop scratching my couch, Jen. Uh, Chancellor Jen loved it. This is my first Mirror episode. I really have to go back and watch all of the episodes I missed. 92 stem bolts for me, and I'm super excited for the two-parter coming up. P.S. Mike has been saying and twins all week. Yes, I have. that. Uh, I have. Yes. You know, we, we must find ways to amuse ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's uh, I, everybody that's, I meet. I come up to too. I'm like, not everybody. Every friend we've come we've seen this week. I'm like, hey, do you remember the end twins commercial? All right. And the universally, no. Uh, what are you talking about? I have to say it about six times before they were like, oh yeah. Well, oh, that was my reaction as well. <laughs> All right, so I think it's time to start talking about Improbable Cause, which uh, is a very important episode here in the Deep Space Nine lore. Um, so it aired on April 24th, 1995. The top song continued to be... This is how we do it. This is how we do it. 
just not with twins, because that's weird. The top movie... Oh, wait. <laughs> wow. You're welcome, Internet. Uh, the top movie was uh, While You Were Sleeping. He's awake. Your family's here, Peter. In a film about love at second sight. Sandra Bullock? While You Were Sleeping. Shouldn't have left the booth. Shouldn't have left the booth. Shouldn't have left the booth. Wow. <laughs> at some point... Uh, YouTube is going to figure out just the the tempo changes and 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 lock it all down. But apparently for now, not. Yeah, it apparently works. It's... It totally works. That's great. Uh, yeah. The, did you watch while you were sleeping? I don't. Uh, I'm just watching the trailer there. Uh, that's a hard no. I don't, I don't think I, I did. I, and I am I a fan of Bullock's Ellen, uh, oeuvre. Wasn't there like an Ellen DeGeneres version of that? No, also, get I, Sleepless in Seattle often rears its head in comparison, but I think it's different. I think he's in a coma, right? He's in a coma. It's not Patrick I, Dempsey, but it's that guy who looks like him, kind of. I, I w- in my head, it wasn't Sandra Bullock. It was it was uh, Ellen, I, Ellen DeGeneres. I just watched the trailer, like, just now. So, definitely Sandra well, Bullock. No, I know. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Because, you know, my brain for 1995 romantic comedies is, surprisingly, not as tight mm-hmm. as, uh, as you would think. Because uh, I was... Watching television. What was I watching on television? Keith, you know all the all the stuff we talk about usually. Fresh Prince of Bel Air was new with a show to wine own self be true. To mm-hmm. thine own self be true. Not wearing my glasses. And gold. That's no. Okay, so the name and of the episode. Gold. The name of the episode is actually now that I'm squinting. To thine own self be blue and gold. Okay. To wine own. Mike, you know, you could just wear your glasses, buddy. Uh, yeah, there was a show following that. It was a half-hour new show on NBC called In the House. So that mm-hmm. was a thing. Uh, but what I want to point out this week, actually, no no uh, snark at all, is that there used to be this thing uh, that aired ABC, tried in primetime, 8 o'clock. It went all the way to 9, so it was a full hour. It's Peter Jennings reporting on ABC. Newsman Keith. Newsman uh, giving news that was actual news. Oh, Peter Jennings. Yeah, right. I, was I loved a, Peter Jennings. I was a Dan Rather guy. I also enjoyed Dan Rather. You couldn't really go wrong at this period of time. It was pretty no, good. No, no, that was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, all right. So uh, Tom Brokaw I never saw because I didn't get NBC. Brokaw's still doing his thing. I appreciate it. He's, yeah, he's, he's not in good health. We wish him the best. Yeah. Um, although, didn't he have some Me Too stuff? Uh, unclear. Anyway. Uh, allegedly. Uh, what was Voyager doing tonight? I'll tell you what. It was Heroes and Demons. And uh, you know what this episode confirms? What's that, buddy? Beowulf was out of copyright in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, there you go. The weekly world news headlines. Let's take a look. Guess what? We found out the secret prophecies of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, a photograph. Amazing. They got a great photograph. Hmm, a 2,000-year-old scroll found in Jerusalem. Uh, Mike, what were the prophecies? Read how catastrophic storms will sweep the U.S. this summer and Keith's house. <laughs> Damn right yeah. about that. Earthquakes and floods will punish the wicked or everybody. Mm-hmm. He will return to Earth to battle Satan in 1999. So get ready to party like it's battling Satan in 1999. Prince knew all too well. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm trying to remember like who was big and was he in the form of Britney Spears? Yeah, my high school graduation, Keith. That's what it was. You 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 battled Britney Spears at your high school graduation? Yeah, as I took my diploma, I was like, 
That's that's me dancing, by the way, in case you missed it. What? Did, like, did you need to put your wallet in your mouth? Did no, you swallow I, your tongue? I was What's real lazy today, so I put my arm rests up real high, but then I realized mm-hmm. I've just trapped myself into a prison of chair. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is Mike a square today? It's like SpongeBob Square, Mike. I put him down. Okay. <laughs> what a mess. Uh, what a mess. All right, this episode was directed, Mike, by Avery Brooks. Oh, we always love a brook. Who last directed Fascination, uh, which we very much enjoyed. We did. The it was written by Renee Echevarria, who last wrote on Past Tense Part Two, with a story by Robert Lederman who was the, an editor on The Next Generation. And this is the first of two DS9 pitches that he did with David R. Long. So now I think it's time uh, for some uh, some trivial, Mike. Mm, I knew it. We knew it was going to happen, but we thought no. we'd, try, we'd try it anyway. No. I wonder why. I just don't understand why it won't play. I think they'd... I think the way that you're now doing it. waste your time. What was that? With trivial trivia. I think OBS wants you to do it my way, not your way, and they stopped like the functionality of the sort of auto thingy that you were doing. No, it's still there. I just think it, it's it's pulling it from the Dropbox every time instead of storing it locally. So I could, uh, but I'm I'm absolutely going to to swap it over to its own thing. Like we do Spring Room and Alan Memories and everything. I mean, let me tell you, these are some really important things. I mean, if we don't play the bumper right away, yeah, people, the, the show, well, how are they going to know down. what's happening? You know what I mean? I know. I know. How are they supposed to know it's trivial? Triva. Oh, right. So uh, first off, this is the first appearance of new Talshiar uniforms hmm. because Ronald D. Moore hated the Next Generation era uniforms because he thought they looked like a couch, much like I did. Um, so like I this did is about a, five minutes ago. Yeah, so this is a, exactly, this is a updated version of the Romulan uniforms, but uh, that's not enough for him. He's going to take a shot at them in the episode itself. We'll talk about that when we get there. Joseph Ruskin is back playing Tumek, or after playing Tumek in the House of Quark, and appearing in the original series, as well as Voyager and Enterprise, uh, someone who has done... It's, I, I always think it's really cool when somebody has crossed from the original series into the 90s versions. Although, uh, thinking about it now, that's no different than the 90s people showing up in contemporary Trek. Um, so I'm curious, has anybody yet... Oh, you know what? I bet, I think... Um, thought was has anybody gone from the original series 90s and then to contemporary trek and i think and i think yes um uh, clint howard i think has mm, good old clint so anyway so this is the first two-part episode in deep space nine history and trek history to have two different titles i.e not part one and part two of the same title this would continue to be the norm for the rest of Deep Space Nine, as it becomes much more serialized uh, moving but forward. But didn't you say at the time they didn't know it was a two-parter? They did not. And I think that's probably why it wasn't called part one and part two. But I think they they decided to to stop doing that because, mm. um, you know, especially in later seasons, like, is it part two? Is it part seven? It's really all... Yeah, it's I guess that's a question story. we can ans- answer later as to whether we think this would have been wholly satisfying as a singular episode. Well, I think intentionally, no. I, I think they, they there mentioned... There edits? In, well, no. I they Well, yes, there were. Like, the, the original 
the original episode was going to end with um, the the mystery about the isolinear rod, and then we never finding out what's going on with it, and then the whole like invasion thing was not even part of the episode. And I think they realized this isn't enough for this episode. Then they decide to kick off. Then like, oh wow, this is so much bigger than than we thought. So it has to be a two parter. Um, so yeah, I mean, crazy to think that this started off as like a like a singular little Garrick episode um, because. We are we are about to go on a journey, folks. Cool. All right. So, uh, you want to know who most depend dependably goes on the journey with us? Keith, I have a guess. Yeah, that would be our patrons. Yes. Why don't you tell us who they are and what they're getting? Get their patrons. Exchange. Get all kinds of good stuff. You know, YouTube. Uh, it doesn't matter how many views you have. Let's be honest. They take most of that money and they they squirrel it away in their little YouTube cheeks. Though we love them. <laughs> Uh, so we depend to offset our top time cheeks, and guys. work. Top yeah, cheeks, Top cheeks. Very nice cheeks. The best, che- the best cheeks. The greatest cheeks. Uh, but we fill our cheeks with the love and support of the, our producers, Bryant, Kimball, Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novo, and the mysterious and the mysterious household dwarfs, big old boot ships, Charles Babadge, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich, Lobosidsky, Delusions at Noon, Steve Brown, a YouTube viewer, JD Makes, and the world takes, just like Trenton, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell, CRM, Pat, and our dear friend Joshua Cronin. You can join them getting all kinds of stuff. Me watching the episodes, me playing video games, me wishing my wife would watch the episodes with me, Keith joining me every once in a while with some shenanigans, and you get an RSS feed of all of our podcasts released Mm. in podcast form as they were intended to be with less face. You can get all of that and more. Join the team, patreon.com slash K and M. Yes, yes. I wonder if Charles Babbage ever wishes you'd say his name right ever once. Well, I don't want to get the, you know, like, you know, the Babbage's is still is still going so strong as a retail chain, and I don't want to confuse anybody. No, but it, but it is. He's related to them. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, then we want you to have your, uh, we want your lineage well documented. Charles Babbage. We you thank go. you for your monthly contribution, patreon.com slash K, and don't forget the M. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Mm. All right, our guest stars this week include, of course, the incomparable Andrew Robinson as Garrick, Carlos La Camara as Retea, Joseph Ruskin as the informant, Darwin Carson as the Romulan, Juliana McCarthy as Mila, and... In the end, as part of the credits, of course, the incomparable, in his own way, Paul Dooley, back as Inabrin Tain. Spoiler! I think it's time to go into the screening room. What do you say, Mike? Dooley noted. That hurt my Inabrin brain. All right. So we begin Improbable Cause with Bashir and Garrick discussing Shakespeare. And Garrick thinks all of his best friend's betrayals, all of the best friend's betrayals in Shakespeare, are predictable to the point of farce. Uh, you know what You know what I smell instead of a farce? I smell a little foreshadowing. Ooh. Bashir is eating super fast. He's busy. But Garrick has nothing to do and is bored. 
He points out that humans are always in a rush. And despite humans having enough food, we eat like we're in prison. Fear of hunger while having an abundance speaks to some dark secret past part of humanity. Damn, Garrick is getting deep in the teaser. Uh, just dropping some truth on us yeah. in a casual conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, it can't always just be foreplay with Bashir. At some point, we're going to have to get to the meat. Yeah, we do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's, it is an awkward way to end the date. But Garrick promises to bring Bashir some chocolates to make up. You know what? Always a good plan. Always, you know, just bring bring some chocolates. Uh, so uh, it's an, uh, Kira comes up complaining about the Elosians when there's a giant explosion in Garrick's shop. It's a large explosion with lots of practical fire. You never see this on TV today. And Bashir rushes into the fire to save Garrick who luckily is still alive and able to quip. That is, the, Oh, it's uh, a great one-liner. He has so many this episode. Oh, I mean, this this episode is like chef's kiss, full full Garrick. This is like the whole the whole thing. So uh, in act one, so yeah, what did you think? They blew up Garrick's shop. That was great. thought the foreshadowing was great. I thought the blow-up was great. Great way to start an episode with a bang, literally. Let's Literally. Go. Let's go. Yeah, well, I mean, an averted bang into a literal bang? Well, and you know it's going to be great because he's got so many secrets and so much happening in his past that it could literally be anybody, and you know it's going to send you on some sort of adventure, so all right. Yeah, indeed. So in Act 1, O'Brien and the team investigate what caused the explosion. It was a rupture of a power conduit, but Odo says, I don't buy this as an accident, obviously. O'Brien discovers the remnants of a bomb. Somebody tried to kill Garrick. In the infirmary, Garrick says, I'm just a simple tailor, which at this point is like his catchphrase. Uh, Odo scoffs and reminds us all that Garrick used to be a member of the Obsidian Order. And they ask, who might want to try to kill you? And Garrick just does more quipping. Sisko gets pissed off. He says, stop fooling. I'm not a fan of pieces of my station exploding. Mm. Um, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Kind of, I didn't even clock his anger there. I thought it was just the obfuscation, but it's true. Yeah, don't blow shit up. It's like, hey, you know what? That's, we we don't like pieces of the state because I don't know if you know, uh, we're in the vacuum of space. Yeah, it's, so it's not safe. blowing a hole in the station is probably like not I don't quick. mind sharing my toys, but just like don't blow them up. Exactly, exactly. No bottle rockets. Do not strap your GI Joes to bottle rockets because it's hilarious, and then find out when you're 40 that that G.I. Joe you blew up with firecrackers is worth $600. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, naturally, Garrick isn't giving anything up. They leave, and Bashir asks him why he refuses to <coughs> trust anyone, even those trying to help him. And Bashir tells the story of the boy who cried wolf while doing some excellent business acting with his pad. And uh, he says, of course, the moral of the story is when you lie all the time, people won't believe you even when you tell the truth. But Garrick oh, naturally, uh, it's so, I mean, the Garrick writing is so good. Garrick naturally has a different interpretation. Never tell the same lie twice. Uh, I, I mean, we're, I'm going to geek out on Andrew Robinson all episode, mm -hmm. but come on. Uh, suffice to say, we love him. Every, everything he says could be best moment. Everything he says could be a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. 
It's it's amazing. So Garrick natural. Uh, I said that later. Odo summons Garrick to look at the passenger manifests of ships looking for possible suspects. There is more wonderful Garrick banter that I didn't write down, but he says I don't see anybody here that I notice. But then O'Brien comes in and explains that the bomb had a pheromonic sensor. Uh, so it could tell the species of the thing in its proximity. Such a great little tech here. Uh, set to blow up when a Cardassian gets too close to it. And of course, he's the only Cardassian on the station. And Odo says they, they're normally used by Flaxian assassins. And wouldn't you know it, one of them just showed up this morning. And that is the end of Act 1. And in Act 2, we have another great scene where Odo interrogates the Flaxian. Really great scene. He's a flamboyant fellow who says, I'm a simple seller of perfumes. And Odo does a great matlock and plays with the scents while asking about Garrick and his alibi. He pulls out perfume after perfume and then starts mixing them, knowing already that mixing all three of them together creates a gaseous poison. I love this because it's very... You could argue that the whole ruse he's doing here is so paper thin as to be kind of a waste of time. Just like get just drill in and ask the questions. But I think it elaborates two things. One, it is clearly drawing the parallel between Odo and Garrick. Garrick, in, for sure. In their, in their kind of skills of smoke and mirrors and... Interrogation. Also, also, it is a type of interrogation, right? I've actually been watching, Keith, surprised to no one. Mm. This YouTube channel that watches two to three hour interrogations of suspects. And they tell you in the oh, very in beginning. Real time. Yeah, in real time. But with a clinical psychologist who stops the footage and explains what the technique is, how the person's responding, how the person is potentially faking their response in order to obfuscate to the. It is fascinating. I am just. It's also very scary and it's messing with me, but I'm loving it. Well, look, you might need these skills someday. So Yes, nonetheless. Um, and just the psychopathy of, of criminals is, is crazy. Um, but nonetheless, the fact that he's doing it and that his ruse is paper thin actually leads him to a discovery that I didn't catch in real time. And it's not until he explains later what he was doing in this interrogate, what he learned in this interrogation. We think it's on the right. surface, but and it's he not. Does, yeah, he's got a whole... So many layers. And I think there's something really interesting, and I think it is an interrogation technique that explains why why does Odo do all of this rigmarole, right? All this theatricality. Because I think part of interrogation is tone matching, Mm. right? And and so he's, this guy's clearly a flamboyant storyteller. He's, He's very sort of over the top and likes to spin these yarns. And I think Odo is matching his personality, mm, possibly, yeah. and and doing this theatrical, flamboyant storytelling uh, to catch him off guard, because we we are all and because Odo, as a shapeshifter, is frequently matches the tone of the person he's with. Person comes at him angry, he goes angry. He comes at him nice, he comes nice. He comes quippy, he's, he's quippy. He doesn't usually come in with a conflicting emotion to people, mm. um, which is a. a a way to build trust and get people to let their guard down. Anyway, um, so uh, the Flaxian stops him, of course, and wants to leave, and Odo says, you know, chill here for a while. Flaxian looks great, by the way. Oh, he was great. Oh, we're having another one of those slow times. What's gonna happen? Not for me. Not for me. 
Yeah, well, but this time I recognized that it was still going to happen, so you'll never even know that what I saw on my side was weird. So uh, later, O'Brien tells Odo that he's hidden a tracker on the Flaxian ship. Uh, does he have probable cause? I guess he... That, I mean, I, that Would he have probable cause to put a tracker on that? Well, no, my guess is no, but I wonder if... This, I, I don't know if it's a wormhole or if we're just making an assumption that it's all above board, but I was wondering if, because remember later, Ben gives Odo permission to kind of do some investigating through channels that perhaps are not fully sanctioned, and maybe O'Brien has an agreement. Channels, yeah, yes. maybe O'Brien has an agreement with Odo to part- participate in some potentially gray area. Uh, ethically well, gray, uh, eth- eth- ethically, yes, not ethnically. Yes. <laughs> that's different. Ethically. That's a different podcast. Those, those are Cardassians. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I could, I could see that. I could also imagine that if this guy is suspected to be an assassin, mm. that they might have like a like a FISA warrant on him at some point. Uh, through the yeah, because apparently the Romulans can just kill whomever is on their list wherever they may be. Well, right. I mean, I guess because they're in Bajoran space, not Federation space. Maybe they have a treaty with with Bajor. Who knows? That's like us here. If we were watching America's Most Wanted and they're like, if you see this individual, instead of call this tip line, (laughs) murder them with no questions asked. Well, right. Or just like call the Peruvians to come in and kill them because they they have a warrant. Unclear. Unclear. But, uh, you know, it's it's space. It's it's a little bit Deadwood out here this far out on the edges of Federation space. So uh, Odo goes to the runabout to follow him uh, because he got the tracker and of course discovers Garrick there waiting. He already knows the plan. He also, uh, interestingly, misspeaks. He blows a line here and says that the Flaxian was the only witness when really it's only suspect. And it's Mm. crazy they didn't catch that. And they they totally could have fixed that in ADR, but I, I they guess... They ADR'd another line. I, I meant to write down what he says, but it's not that. He does ADR a line later, and I wonder if it's to... Uh, I guess... Th- there's any number of different ways they could have fixed that. I'm just... I'm shocked that nobody caught it. Hmm. I didn't catch Be- it. Because he's definitely not the only witness. Yeah. Tons of witnesses. He's the only suspect. Anyway. Um, it's just an interesting, interesting little problem there that they had there. So, Garrick wants to tag along... But Odo is not happy about this. Andrew Robinson's eye acting here is amazing. Yeah, I meant to note that earlier when when O'Brien and Odo are chatting about some kind of whispering, and you see they they place they, they place Garrick completely center, but down, leveled down, mm-hmm. and he's just watching. Yes, I mean the Garrick guys, so good. Uh, Which he must have to amp a little bit because of the prosthetics. Well, I, I mean, probably. I, I, I think he is, he has a bit of a big eye sort of a deal as an actor, but also it's going to stick out more in the Cardassian makeup mm-hmm. because the, the skin is a flatter color and it's a little bit darker that the eyes are going to pop. Anyway, uh, the Flaxian is getting away, so Odo is forced to relent. But then, the, as, just as the Flaxian ship is about to go to warp, it blows the hell up. Boom. Another great take. Hold on. Did I catch it? Oh, I didn't catch it. <laughs> I tried. 
There you go. Good try. Yeah. <laughs> of of Andrew Robinson's reaction to that. Yeah, or the blowing up. Apparently, I. Uh huh. Well, no blowing up for us. Yeah. So in Act Three, it's time to start playing count the costumes for Garrick. He's in his third full outfit as they discuss this in the wardroom, um, which I think speaks to time passing, but also Garrick's just, he's got a lot of outfits. Mm -hmm. And we don't normally deal with that because everyone's in a uniform. But of course, as a civilian, he's got to keep changing his clothes. And they keep coming up with uh, more and more ridiculous outfits for him. So they know that what happened to the Phylaxian was another assassination. And Odo thinks immediately it was the Romulans, and that the Romulans hired the Flaxian to kill Garrick and killed him when it failed. Odo is on it. Garrick says he has no idea why the Romulans would want him dead. I think telling the truth in the situation. Cisco is pissed. But Odo says he's telling the truth. And why is he why can I tell he's telling the truth? Because he's not spinning a web of lies. So they zoom the Romulans, and they freely admit they killed the Flaxian. And he was wanted for crimes. It was perfectly illegal for them to execute them under their laws. Um, sure, extradition treaties and such. Uh, they tell her that the Flaxian just tried to kill Garrick. And the Romulan knows exactly who Garrick is. But this, like, it's such good writing that the Romulan makes an intentional error, calling him a cobbler, not a tailor. But she's very interested in knowing if he's still alive. Yeah, before Odo, that, before that, yeah, I inquiry at the end, I almost bought that she was unaware of the assassination plot. Yeah, almost. Uh, it's that's clever, but it's also that's how the Tal Shiar works. Mm -hmm. You know that they're they're all about subterfuge and all about manipulation. Just, I mean, just like the Obsidian Order, which is why that they they're going to team up. And what do they, we have? Well, Odo, I guess. We have Odo. Well, uh, funny you ask that question, Mike. Mm -hmm. Put a pin in that. Starfleet's got some 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 shady biz. Put a pin in that. Uh -huh. I'm just saying, just just, but put, put it on your little note card. Put it next to your monitor. Okay. Uh, so Odo makes a quip about the bad Romulan uniforms. Ronald D. Moore must have added that line himself. <laughs> Odo stumped. He and Cisco discuss Garrick. They recap what we know about him so far, and his connection to and being exiled by the Obsidian Order. Maybe the Obsidian Order has something to do with it. And Odo says, I have some contacts in the Cardassian government, maybe. So he takes a runabout to Cardassia to talk to one of his contacts. He goes through our cave set, and we see some very rare handheld camera work. Uh, and he runs into his shadowy contact. Uh, we've seen that this before, yeah? No. Oh, no, we haven't. Okay. Um, him meeting his contact, standing up below. It's a great shot. Such a cool idea. Mm -hmm. uh, the contact confirms that the Romulans were the ones who tried to kill Garrick. And that you're investigating a very small piece of the puzzle. A bunch of cloaked Romulan ships have been detected near the Cardassian border, and a whole bunch of troop movements like they were preparing for war. Also, there were five other Obsidian Order operatives killed yesterday, probably by the same Romulans. 
He gives Odo the names and says, ask Garrick what's up. So uh, that's big news. Mm-hmm. A Romulan invasion force near Cardassia. And also Garrick wasn't a lone assassination attempt. It's a coordinated plot. Yeah. And here's not, there's where not it, just one plane, Keith, to pull a. To, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's diff- it, there's a difference between that because you know, like, it's a tragedy, right? When if there was one plane at first, remember, yeah. I'm starting to draw this crazy parallel. It just happened with people that went into my brain, but <laughs> going into a dark place. But well, yes, well, we were there, right? Well, oh yeah, no, and so course. it was it was an accident. That first bit of time was it was no. an accident, like a rogue plane no, flying mean, too low and whatnot. And then it became oh, this was a potential attack, and then it was. Oh, the world has changed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when I I saw the second one hit live I, on television, I wasn't physically there, but but I saw it on television, and I I remember that feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like you're right, it's like that's a whole nother ball game. And um, you know, I think in terms of this episode, this is where this episode gets gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, like oh, oh, oh wow, we went from like a who's trying to kill Garrick. Spycraft, spy, 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 to like, uh, uh-oh. So uh, back at the station, Garrick is delighted that all these people are dead. But he continues to deny being part of the Obsidian Order, and this causes Odo to lose it. He says, you dragged me into this investigation, so you damn well better cooperate. You blew up your own shop. And here's where you're talking about. Uh, Odo realized that Garrick blew up his own shop as soon as he saw the assassin's methods. Assassins usually don't change their methods, and he probably was going to poison Garrick. So So the whole thing here was that the bomb bit, when he figured out in real time that the chemicals created a bomb, well, I guess he didn't need to do that because it was a bomb. So clearly it was a bomb. Well, well, right. The the chemicals, the, the, the perfumes caused poison, poison gas. Oh, not a bomb. Not a bomb. We, but we wouldn't have known that because he didn't do the last one. No, but he did. But he explained in that scene that if I combine all three of these, it's going to be a big poison gas. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought he was just. I thought he was playing coy. That you know about the explosion, but it makes sense now. That was going to be a wormhole. No. For me. No. Yeah. No. 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 What What it is is that this this assassin's plan was to poison, not blow up. But and at Garrett the time, blew up. At the time, Oda wouldn't. Be, even be able to surmise a uh, a motive for Garrick to fake the assassination. So he just had to keep him on a short leash. No, no, he didn't. He, well, he wouldn't know. Well, he wouldn't know why, except for he do, he would know right away what he just says here. Your you blew up your shop to get me to investigate this, mm-hmm. to get me involved in this. Um, you know, as well as to <laughs> save himself. Uh, yeah, and imagine, he, before we even progress in the plot here, if I imagine that if, you know, part of the reason Garrick hates being stuck here is that, you know, basically all of his interactions are like those with Bashir. It's just playing with your food, right? It's, yeah. there's no one that can compl- even remotely match his ability to come up with a quip, turn a phrase, hide a secret, figure anything out. So he doesn't have a tete-a-tete with anyone. I, but he probably is, he's probably yeah. taken notice that Odo maybe is someone he could spar with slash share ideas with, bounce ideas with, and so he really had to put him through sort of a a, uh, a well, crucible and, before that. And also, like from Garrick's point of view, he doesn't know 
why somebody's trying to assassinate him. Yeah, so he needs someone who has some sort he, of a... He might know about the Romulans, though. He might know the Romulans have gotten the Bart, so he knows something crazy is going on. I can't go to the Cardassians mm-hmm. for help investigating. And there was the only, only one person, person in my history where I've, who I actually trusted enough to share truths with and have conversations with, and we don't. he's not even in the picture just yet. That's well, yeah. about to... Well, he, well, no, exactly. Well, because he's an enemy. Oh, right. And he's, he's we the don't one know who what happened. Him. Right, well, yeah. we know that Tane exiled Garrick. And that, and so, like, they're, they're blood enemies at this point. Um, and he probably... Well, we don't know the Tane, machinations of what happened. No, we don't. We, we just know that... We know that Garrick betrayed Tane in some fashion. And that's what got everything blown up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... But Garrick's so smart. Blowing up his own shop is smart on a couple of different levels. One, it, like it throws off the assassins. Whatever the plan was, was not anticipating blowing up his own shop. But he also clocked what the what what the who the assassin was, what their techniques usually are, and, mm-hmm. and were able to draw Odo's attention to this particular person by using something his species does, and to have all of so the he ability knew to do bef- that. He knew he was being targeted by an assassin well before shit went down. Yeah, well, because he had to put that whole plan into action. Yeah. So, like, he, he clocked that... I mean, I'm sure Garrick checks the manifests of who's coming on the station mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And realized, oop, that's an assassin. Uh, probably coming for me. You gotta, you know, and mm-hmm. then... And, and how, who knows how many different secret levers he's got in his shop to mm-hmm. implement all of these various things. And but here's also, where I'm gonna... Yeah. I'm gonna, right here, I'm gonna mm-hmm. call this out later... There's a beat change here that happens that we haven't seen Andrew Robinson do yet. We haven't seen Garrick do yet. Where yes. he drops it all, right? He gets real intense, and it's almost like a different fucking character. He's telling straight truths. He's explaining exactly what happened. It's like whatever gauntlet he put Odo through, Odo has now passed. And he's like, okay. And he's like, does this whole beat shift, which is an honest, not want to say honest, he's let someone in under the hood. Well, he's, he's, he's vulnerable in this episode a couple of times. Yeah. Way we've never seen but him. This that is that first before. beat change right yeah. here. Um, and then once he's in and he's kind of got a buddy, quote unquote, who he can share his, his kind of his techniques with, he's almost, he's almost proud with his descrambling here. <laughs> he has yeah. a great quip here as well. He's like, I thought you oh. would enjoy that on an aesthetic level. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. But what Odo does that cracks him a little bit is points out that Garrett enjoyed blowing up his shop because he hates this life, this fake life that he's living. Um, and I think that he knocked Garrick with some real truth there. Mm-hmm. Um, which Almost like he f- did in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, which which uh, Garrick finally admits that they were all associates of Anabrin Tain, the, the people who were killed on the, on the list, the former head of the Obsidian Order. And he would know what's going on if he's still alive, if he wasn't killed as well in this Obsidian Order cult. So Garrick calls him on a scrambled channel and gets Tane's housekeeper, Mila. They know each other from before, and she says Tane bugged out yesterday, and she asks Garrick to try to help him. So Garrick agrees to go on a mission with Odo to rescue Tane. Um, but we also see a piece of vulnerability here with Garrick's relationship with Mila. That Mila obviously has some real, genuine care and concern for Garrick. 
Um, they obviously worked together a lot in the past. So it's an interesting little thing we, we'll probably follow up at some point. So in Act 4, costume number 4 for Garrick, now back in his classic look. Garrick classic. Uh, Bashir walks him to the airlock. And Garrick says, if I die, I have a hidden secret information thing in the wall. And if you find it, eat it. And uh, hilarious. Funny joke. Probably also true. Uh, but Bashir says, eat this. It's not my lower tricorder. It's the chocolates that Garrett gave him. Uh, so romantic. So nice. These aren't the chocolates you're looking for. <laughs> you want the chocolates? Those chocolates. Anyway, uh, Garrett and Odo head out into the runabout towards a possible safe house that Tane had in Cardassian space. Odo asks who Mila was and notes that she liked Garrick. We remember that Tane was responsible for Garrick's exile, but he won't say why or why he's trying to save him now. Odo can tell Tane means something personal to Garrick, and he supposes that Tane was his mentor. Andrew Robinson shows a lot of vulnerability before he turns the tables on Odo. So I mean, this is this is a fantastic scene. You know what it is? It's the two. I'm sorry to make it a wrestling thing, guys, but it's the two opponents, right? It's Andre and Hogan. But for that one Survivor Series, they got to be a tag team for whatever reason. But there's still all the tension. They got to be on the same team for now. But there's still all that tension. We want to rip into each other. But for this very one moment, we got to work together. It's, well, it's and all that and tension. Also. Speaking of wrestling, they're doing psychological wrestling, poking at each other's vulnerabilities and, and like very insightful, mm -hmm. very um, just really, you know, just and, and, and so Odo's poking at Garrick, getting to where like there's some real feelings going on there. And so then Garrick immediately turns it around and mm -hmm. accuses uh, Odo of not caring about other people. And then he asks, hey, uh, you know, like you don't care about anybody, but. You know, do you have any real feelings? Yeah. Uh, is there anyone in particular you might have uh, some actual feelings about? Obviously, he knows about Odo's feelings for Kira. It's a masterful struggle between two characters digging at each other's emotions and each of their greatest vulnerabilities, their connections to others. And just let's take a look at, once again, things that happen with cinematography and direction that you don't kind of catch in an episode, but... You notice the intensity in their looks, right? But yeah. also, check it out. We keep eyeline right here, where we have an intense stare by Renee here, and then it fades over. It's the same framing. It's the same shot with Garrick. Yeah. Right? So they're just juxtaposed, and they keep the eyelines. And they're both feeling real mm -hmm. vulnerable feelings while trying to hide them. You know, they're, they're, these two characters have a, a really dovetail. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very isolated characters. They're the only one of their species on the station. They have an affectation of, I don't care about anything. I don't have any connections to other people. Like, I'm just going to do my job. I'm super competent. I'm a little spy. -y. But in reality, they both feel deeply mm -hmm. and have deep connections yeah. to other people. And they're both and incredibly good at what they do, but that requires a level of autonomy that kind of yeah. puts everyone on the outside. And they're, and they, they're both of their Achilles heels are their feelings for other people that they try to hide. And and that is and they they both know it about each other. 
but they don't ever come out and just quite say it, but they made it very clear that I know your, I know your Achilles heel and I know your Achilles heel. Uh, great writing, great scene. So they arrive in the system, but then a Romulan warbird decloaks over them in Cardassian space. They lock a tractor beam on and they try to send a message out, but they don't know if it got out before the Romulans shut it down. They're taken prisoner and onto the Romulan ship. And on the Romulan ship waiting for them is Anabrin Tain himself. Holy crap. Mm. So in Act 5, Tain and Garrick spar in a half-friendly manner. Tain meets Odo finally, and they spar a bit too. Garrick asks Tain what he's up to. Have you unretired? He asks what he's doing with the pointy-eared folks. More terrific writing here. You're telling me Paul Dooley was never on out of practice. No, he no, he was 100% on the practice. He won, a, he won an Emmy for the practice. Yeah, but he wasn't, but he wasn't the guy the, I'm thinking he, of. He wasn't the smoking judge. He was he was Judge Swackheim. Swackheim, right, right, right. Okay, it's all, now we got it. Okay, Dude won an Emmy for our yeah. show. Yeah, I know, Not but I thought earlier you told me he wasn't, but now it's all He wasn't all clear. the smoking judge. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, he also, he did play Klingon. Um, but yes. So, so he asks what's, what he's doing with the pointy-eared folks. And Tane points out how clever a gambit that one sentence was by Garrick. Mm-hmm. Using a racial slur to find out what side Tane is on. Defend the Romulans and reveal his allegiance. Or leave the comment unchallenged and drive a wedge between the Romulans and Tain. Um, just great psychological warfare spycraft. And Tain is on it. Yeah, Knows letting exactly us know that, hey, Garrick doesn't doesn't have uh, the, the a step on me. Yeah, well, because he probably taught Garrick how yes, to do Yes, right, that. correct. Um, but also, he incredibly smartly does the only thing that uh, gets himself out of the trap that Garrick laid. Announce the by, trap. By breaking the fourth wall and mm-hmm. and and announcing the trap, it's, it's you know I, I always talk about it all the time. Write your characters to the top of their intelligence, mm-hmm. and this is both of these characters right there, right on top. So smart. But so yes. he he almost exposes a bit of his own weakness here in apparently what appears to me as taking Odo, though he's interested in Odo, taking him, assuming he is not up to the task of sussing all of this out, right? He takes yeah. him a bit for granted. Well, and, and that, yes, and now you have perfectly isolated the Achilles heel of the Cardassians, which is arrogance. Mm. Which is, they think they're smarter than everybody else. And so, it's Perfect. It's so so well so well described. <laughs> well, hubris would be, oh yeah, 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 we're just gonna put together a little army and go kill the. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gonna go great. Founders. Yeah. So uh, he explains that the ship they're on is part of a combined fleet of Cardassians and Romulans about to go through the wormhole and attack the Dominion, a preemptive strike. But this is where Deep Space Nine is just so better and smarter. Because it's not the Cardassian and Romulan governments themselves. It's the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order. 
Essentially, the CIA and the KGB teaming up independent of their governments. To go get Iran. To go get Iran. Yeah. Um, which is such a more layered, more interesting way to do that than the Cardassians and the Romulans doing this. Um, so, and they've been building a secret fleet of ships in the Orias sector for months, which is what Thomas Riker when he stole the Defiant, was trying to expose in the episode The Defiant. Oh, So shit. remember when we went out there and like... Uh-huh, there's all those we, ships. We, we found these other Cardassian ships that weren't known about by the government that were Civilian Order ships. They were, they had heard, they knew something about they were building a fleet secretly in the Orias sector. This is that fleet. Cool as shit. That's cool. That's what I have to say. Uh, and like I told you, when that episode happened, like put a pin in this. Mm-hmm. This I is still important. got that sticky note on my monitor right here. Yeah, there it is. So Tane says our plan is to wipe out the founders because without them, the Dominion will fall. And they f- they figured out where the founders' homeworld is from the intelligence that the Federation shared with the Romulans in exchange for the cloaking device. So it's all coming coming to everything is connected to everything else. Um, so Garrick asks, why did you try to kill me and the other Obsidian operatives? Fair question. Tane says, it's because when I come back, I'm coming out of retirement and I don't want any rivals there who have any dirt on me. Uh, and does the great quote, always burn your bridges behind you. You never know who wants to follow. So... Oof. And Tane says, Garrick, if you hadn't betrayed me, things would have been very different. And Garrick uh, says, I never betrayed you in my heart, and I came to rescue you. And shows some real vulnerability here. Just the Andrew Robinson's performance in mm-hmm. this episode is just phenomenal. Paul Dooley is so much fun, but Andrew Robinson's just like his little peaks of vulnerability the cracks here just really make it sing tane is surprised to believe him but he does and he says you can go but i'm keeping odo odo says uh garrick this is a trap tane says it's a choice you can leave or come join me by my side on the dark side and all will be forgotten if not forgiven and Garrick is delighted. They clasp hands. He's back at the side of a Nobrin Tane in the Obsidian Order. And this is our To Be Continued, Mike. So, so good. So good. So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so hard not to just go right to the next episode. Um, yes, I would agree. Uh, luckily, I was a bit in a rush, so I didn't get the opportunity to do so. But um, yeah, we I, will I, soon. Yeah. All right. Well, we have we have a lot to talk about in the. Okay, 
first up, we must discuss, were there any wormholes in the plot? A very tight episode, Keith. The one I had was that I couldn't quite understand. I know that Odo said he figured out the meth- that they, uh, the dudes don't change their methods, and I was like, but how does that point him towards him, Garrick, blowing up his own shop? But you, during our episode recap, uh, filled that wormhole for me. So outside of that, and outside of... You know, I, I would say that it, the the trust that is established in the final scene between Dooley and, or between what's the bag Tane and Tain. Uh, and Garrick. Garrick is a little quick to happen. But a it still could be a trap. B they clearly have a bunch of history and have kind of feelings for one another as as almost friends or a, or a, a father son kind of relationship, whatever it might be. Yep. So that. Yep. I, for, I can allow. So outside of that, it's really tight for me. I know that uh, there's probably something I missed, but I thought this, they this because of all the spying taking place, the spy craft involved, it had to be really tight. And I'm sure there was someone yeah. who went over this about four or five times. Because even the sort of unspoken stuff, the, the, the exposition we got through unspoken dialogue and subterfuge, uh, made sense and seemed to all track so it was, I thought it was really it was better than yeah. no wormholes I thought it was very tight so uh, did you see anything yeah. that poked through no I've got nothing mm-hmm. I, I the the whole thing is and and what's 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 great about how tight all of this is it is tight interconnected with many other episodes mm-hmm. right it's it, it it works completely well with the defiant episode which was the sort of the prequel to this episode. Also, the wire, where the first time we meet Tane, um, and we and we ex- are exploring Garrick's relationship with Tane, with the Obsidian Order, with being a tailor. That all tracks. Um, you know, Odo's relationship with Garrick here, I think, is very interesting. Like, it's. I, I mean, I'm sure somebody out there will have something, but I think this is tight as shit. Okay, there you have it. There it is. Let's talk about our best moment. Yeah. Uh, man, you could pick out so many different things here. There's so much great stuff happening. But for me, I mentioned it earlier. It's the first time we see something we haven't seen before. And you'd think Andrew Robinson's performances have been so nuanced and so just fun and, and spicy and chewy and all of those good good things. You know, there's, there's scenery chewing, Keith, that can get grating. Mm-hmm. Looking at you. Strange New World, potentially. <laughs> uh, uh, or, or what's our what's that new rate species we found? The Carol Kane oh, of yes. it all, if you will. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. But there's some scene chewies that are just delightful, and Garrick is one of those characters. But here we get the first time we see that beat change with Odo in Odo's office, where he's just run out of s- scenery to chew, and so he has to be straight up for a moment, and he's disarmed, which is new. Uh, it's brief. It's just a brief moment before he gets back to his quippiness with Odo and lets him into the inner sanctum. But there, that moment, that beat shift when you're like, "Oh, there's so much more to the well," uh, is exciting, and and it was my best moment. Yeah, and you know, for me, it's also the Garrick Odo scene, but it's the one in the runabout mm-hmm. where they poke at each other's vulnerabilities and and that they sort of sh- show to each other, "I know way more about you mm-hmm. than you think I do, and than you want me to," and that sort of power struggle there 100 um and it working mm-hmm. right that jab at the emotion it worked for both of them yep they're and, on very and, even footing here and it's great that we both mentioned these character moments 
as best moments and don't even mention, I think we have to honorable mention, the big reveal scene because so much track that was laid finally gets a locomotive to start moving through it. Right, and the track connects. Yeah. Right, it's not just some like random like swing in another direction. They've laid this track for a season, Mm -hmm. for more than a season. Yep. And, And it's finally starting to connect. We're starting to see where the train is going. Uh, and even though this is a very surprising, like it was, uh, I, I, and, you know, talking about the Romulans coming in, um, the, yeah, I guess we might as well just go into episode writing here and well, we should do it as a discussion because it's more about that. Yeah, but we've got, uh, we've got, we got to do the bumper. We got right. a great bumper. We got to play it. You get some Come on. Hell yeah. So yeah, keep going. In 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 terms of the the world building, right? We also, if you remember the episode where O'Brien was shifting between time, in in visionary, right? And that ended up being a Romulan plot, right? And and uh, there was a cloaked Romulan ship there. And what what was their goal? They were they were trying to preemptively blow up the wormhole. Mm-hmm. And right. so the Romulan, we so so the Romulans being crazy obsessed and scared of the Dominion threat and wanting to do something about it, that's not new either. Mm-hmm. But the but combining the and and we've we've learned the difference between the Tal Shiar and the Romulan government and the Obsidian Order and the Cardassians. And so uh, while it's shocking to see that the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order are working together on this big plan it is also once we realize it is kind of inevitable and yeah, those are the best they, surprises they didn't they didn't just show us that the that the the obsession or the i want to say obsession the focus on the founders and and dealing with that threat but they also took that episode where i believe it was who was it where we we, we were talking about the obsidian order and we Kira was like made a Cardassian for a minute. Oh yes, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, whatever that's called. But we learn in that episode, skin. all the way back then, we learn in that episode that the Obsidian Order and the the Cardassian High Command they have they operate independently. There is yes, very little crossover uh, yeah. in conflict with each yes. other. And so Uh-oh. that's important to know. So it's not a shock to learn here. Oh yeah, well then that they would probably have different plots and like, different. Of course they're going rogue, right? Yeah. So it all it all matches up and all makes sense. And then it's it's you know what it reminds me of a little bit, Keith. And I think you'll appreciate this. Have you seen that YouTube that's like a or video that's close up of this of this star, right? And then they us basically. I think it's, it starts on Earth and then it starts to zoom out and 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 zoom out. And it goes for like ten minutes and it tells you that this is moving. You know, like every second is a light year or something, and it right, just right, gets right. that the full picture of the known universe that we have from right. the Hubble, and it's just you can't even imagine yeah. how wide. Really that's the mind, feeling yeah. I'm starting to get as we're zooming out, and I'm like, oh my mm. god, this conflict, this conflict is huge, it's huge. Oh my god, we're just a little player. There's all these other chess pieces. Oh my god, that's the feeling I'm getting. Yeah. And for the first time, I feel like that is accelerating now, and it makes sense to me why we moved this episode and we're starting to kind of because. Yeah. I've heard so much about this Dominion War as 
a, as a proper noun, right? I know none of the specifics. I've been right, I've been right. trying so hard to avoid spoilers. All these you just things. know it's capitalized. <laughs> yeah, and finally today I got the f- first sense of it because Dooley's character says, "Well, because I think uh, Garrick says, well, once they find out, what if I go tell them?" Blah 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 blah, and he goes, "It doesn't matter. The spark the spark has happened, and it's happening. Yeah, this is go we're it, we going." So. Yeah. It's awesome. Now it feels like I've jumped. I'm, my fear is going. I've jumped down the water slide, and it's time to start. It's time to well, start yeah, getting wet, abs- Keith. No, absolutely. And and also um, something that uh, Odo's contact says, like you you are investigating a tiny pebble in this ocean, right? Right. And and like I think that's also speaking to that. Like this, the the scale of this is we're still in the process of zooming out. We are not zoomed out yet. Mm. We are still in that process. Um, and it's 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 really exciting, but I think the you know a lot, a lot of people complain about the first three seasons of Deep Space Nine a lot um, because it feels a little slow, it feels a little episodic. Um, but I think, and, and yes, it, it is that sometimes, and there are there are plenty of like sort of filler episodes that don't feel like they're you know serving much purpose. But I do think that the patience the show demonstrates throughout this and its ability to drop pebbles, you know, like these, these little nuggets weren't put in consecutive episodes. Mm. I, I think that the, the fact that the def, you know, Defiant was 10 episodes ago, that we met the Jem Hadar in season two, that we heard about the Dominion for the first time, we're discovering little things, that that's not happening over the course of four or five episodes. That's happening over the course of a couple of years, I think is incredibly valuable when it finally pays off because it feels not like a story they created, but the world that we're in. And I think it gives it the epic scale. It gives a sense of like, this is epic. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit like why you get to Avengers Infinity Wars, right? 20 movies in. Right. If that were the second movie in the in the series, it wouldn't feel quite anywhere near as exciting or as, as giant as it does. Because we've spent all of this time, all of this world building, all these little nuggets you put off that are paying off something from two years ago. And I think that is where it becomes so exciting because of the epic scale of things and that's why Deep Space Nine is special Mm. because no other Star Trek series does anything like this Um, and so it really really starts to pay off and and we're um, you know we're 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 kicking off we're kicking off an incredible journey and I'm so freaking excited so we gotta get to math here and I'll keep it simple I our highest rated episodes generally are kind of those two-handers where great character development and great writing meet with great acting. Mm-hmm. We get one of those here. I think you could argue that the Garrick, Odo, Andrew Robinson, Rene Aubergenois duo is the best, at least in the conversation, for the best kind of two-hander we've had as far as acting and just... Because they're they're acting everything on the page, but also everything underneath the page. 
Right? They're, just, they're just two tremendous veteran experienced actors. I said in my watch along that few shows are spoiled enough to be able to write so much between the lines mm. intention. Usually, you know, especially on network television, you've got to you've got to write what the character's thinking, right? You have yeah. to put it into the exposition. Because this is they, what I am feeling yes. in this moment. But here they barely do that in this episode. They do a lot of calling the other person out. So what you learn about the character is through what I'm saying, because I'm calling some harsh truths out, right? But we also have moments where you read what they're not saying or the opposite of what they're saying because you know they're putting on a ruse. It's just so much happening. It's, and, and it's, it's rewarding us for our attention. Yeah. It, and and like you know when when Garrett goes after Odo about Kira mm-hmm. about the fact that isn't is Kira's Kira's name even mentioned? No. Yeah. Nobody says nobody 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 he doesn't say anything about being in love with anybody. Doesn't say anything about Kira. But we know that. It's like the, it's like the, Odo the, the feeling of an escape room or a murder mystery or something isn't when you get to the end and they do the reveal. Uh, like a lot of murder she wrote or whatever, and you're like, right. I, there's, I, could, I have no idea. I couldn't have figured that out. You want your audience to figure it out right before the reveal so they feel really smart or at yeah. least say, oh, I could have put those pieces together. Or, it, it, or like, it makes sense now. Yes. I mean, there are, different, like, there are different ends to that ways, means. Yeah. yeah. But my point is that you want to make your, you want to empower your audience at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, this does that. So we also love episodes where, I love episodes where, Huge, the 5D chess is revealed and, the, and a move yeah. is made or multiple moves are made or an end game is in sight or in this case, uh, uh, the brinksmanship is about to pop off. So we're getting all of that in this episode. I just don't, I can't find too much to not like. Even the character designs of characters who were in one interrogation scene were yeah. awesome. Uh, just just great stuff. I, I really want to shout out Avery Brooks here. Inc- some great direction, yeah. some really great direction, yeah. great, great shots, acting direction. Uh, not much not to love, Keith. It's hard not to to go crazy here, but uh, I want to leave a little bit in the chamber for the sequel and see how we how we follow it up. But I'm I'm going high. I'm loving a ninety six point five Stembolts. She yeah. Is there it is. Uh, yeah, I, everything you said. Yes, I, I think I, my feelings are very clear. I'll just add one little thing that I'd mentioned, but I'll just reinforce. Um, I love paying off the consequences mm-hmm. of sharing intelligence with the Romulans. Right? And we've now, because uh, because of Strange New Worlds, Mike is much more familiar with some of the Romulan stuff too, and the way they think and the way that they work. Um, so, having the uh, you know, we got the cloaking device. Amazing. But it's not without consequences. And and because we they're unpredictable, you don't know what they're gonna do, and they're they're shadowy, and when they make a move, they do so aggressively, and so it is only because of that that they know where the founder's homeworld is. Mm. So none of this would be happening if we hadn't told the Romulans where we found the founder's homeworld in exchange for the cloaking device. So like, ooh, it all spins together and it all connects. Uh, yeah, so for me, uh, I'm going to give this 93 self-sealing stem bolts. Um, uh, I, I got to leave some room. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, we're we're coming up on some stuff. So, um, what did IMDb think? Well, Mike, this is according to IMDb the 17th best Ooh. episode of Deep <laughs> okay, Space I Nine. So. I don't feel like I overestimated here. It is an 8.5. 
We're gonna have uh, to blow like an extra. I don't know. Yeah, ten what, point. Remember we said at some, some point we were gonna. Yeah, we did say something about renovations. So uh, yeah, I don't know because yeah, we're it's it's coming. Uh, next episode is the die is cast. How many episodes till we finish out season three here? Uh, we to we've six six more episodes. Jesus, keeps going. It sure does. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean we're already it, on season two of Strange New Worlds. Oh yeah, no, no, we'll we're, be halfway we're gonna, done. Okay, anyway. yeah, we're more than halfway done. Yeah. Strange New Worlds. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, no, and we haven't even. Uh, oh my god, the beginning of season four. Oh my god. Anyway, so uh, so much fun stuff. Mike, tell folks what else they can oh, uh, enjoy. Your cup of our runneth over with these stupid faces. Mondays, you got K&M Geekly. I'm going to be talking about Oppenheimer, Keith, my most anticipated movie of the summer. And maybe, just maybe if things get crazy this weekend, I'm going to go see Barbie, too. So I'll talk about those two big hits. Wow. I watched the first 15 minutes of The Flash yesterday and uh, hated every second of it. So there's really? that. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Then on your Wednesdays, guess what? This little show drops just a little something we like to do every yeah. week. And then on Fridays, you can check us watching season two of Strange New Worlds. And if you haven't caught up yet, hey, guess what? All of season one is still on YouTube. On Sundays, uh, the creator approved, look at my Star Trek toys, join uh, the- Not approved, noticed. <laughs> <laughs> sniffed, downwind. <laughs> uh, Their assistant us. is partially aware of us. We've got part three of Christmas, uh, Picard, Picard again, Christmas in July or whatever the hell. Something, uh, yes. We're having a blast with that. So uh, check us out. Also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash KNAM, all kinds of crazy stuff there. But most importantly, you just become a, a, a valued producer on this show along with Charles Babbage of the Babbage Babbages. Keith, I believe that's all I've got to say. All right. We will see you back here next week with The Die Is Cast. Whew! All right. Can't wait. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash knm.